G'day friends, welcome back, happy Star Wars Day, happy May the 4th, may the 4th be with you, all that stuff, it's Star Wars Day so I'm doing a Star Wars episode, why not, and I was thinking right, I want to do a Star Wars episode on Star Wars Day, what sort of Star Wars episode should I do, there's no Star Wars show on just yet, we're still three weeks away from Obi-Wan, oh my god it's only three weeks away, oh my god, yes it's still three weeks away. So what am I going to talk about? Well, basically every time I talk about anything that's even loosely connected to the the TV world of Star Wars, I bring up Rebels and the fact that it's so great and it might be the best piece of Star Wars content that there is. Um, so I thought I'd talk about Star Wars Rebels today and why it's so amazing. I've got five reasons why Star Wars Rebels is amazing and maybe why it's better than Clone Wars. It's very different to Clone Wars, so it's hard to really say that one is better than the other, but I find Rebels to be much closer to, like, complete, completely realised, complete perfection. Clone Wars might have some better moments, but holistically, I think Rebels takes the cake. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about why. So, let's get into it. So if you're somehow listening to this and you don't know what Rebels is, go and watch it and then come back. Go go take two weeks <laughs> and go and watch it. Um, so it, it's about it's about a very small rebel cell. Um, it's set well, it spans over a number of years, but it's set sort of in the last in the in the five years or so leading up to a new hope roughly a little bit less time than that um and yeah it's about a rebel cell that joins the larger rebellion and it's about the this group of characters that sort of become a family and you know a couple of them are jedi there's a mandalorian there's a lasat there's a twi'lek there's a, a droid there's a great group of characters um and yeah as i said it it is probably my favorite piece of star wars content um obi-wan might change that who knows um but i love rebels i love it i love it love it love it love it i love clone wars as well but the problem i have with clone wars is that it's got too much fat on it too many you know four episode arcs about r2d2 going on some adventure you know like it's got too much extra stuff if you could whittle down clone wars to all the stuff about you know cad bane or Mandalore or the Geonosis stuff or obviously the Maul stuff and you know all, all the important stuff with Ahsoka and you know the key episodes about the clones if you could sort of cut down some of the fat you know like some of the Jar Jar episodes you know 
I like all of Clone Wars, but some of it really, it's very bloated. That's a problem I have with it. Rebels isn't like that. Rebels, I think it, I think it goes 15 episodes, 22, 22, 16, something like that. There's much less of it. And some of the seasons being shorter, had to get it all right, and they did. It's a great show. Five reasons why Rebels is so amazing and why, if you haven't, you need to give it a go. Reason number one, something that, well, one of, one of my favorite things about Star Wars, in fact, it's probably my favorite thing, I'm a big Force guy. I love the Jedi, the Sith, the whole idea of the Force, anything to do with the Force. I, that is something that I really enjoy about Star Wars. So the Force lore that we get in Rebels is far better than we get in anything else. Better than what we get in the prequels, in Clone Wars, in The Last Jedi. Now, Clone Wars has some great stuff. You've got the Mortis arc. There's really good stuff in there. But, God, there's stuff in Rebels. So, you got Ezra and Kanan, the two Jedi characters. Ezra becomes Kanan's Padawan. Kanan is a Order 66 survivor. He was a Padawan during that. If you've seen The Bad Batch, he is, of course, Caleb Doom. And he's the, he's the young Padawan that survives that initial attack. Um, but he takes Ezra on as an apprentice. And there's different points in the show where they they visit abandoned... Not abandoned, but, you know, long, out-of-use Jedi temples. And we get some of the most amazing Force visions. Um, they commune with Yoda and, you know, other Jedi... It, it, there is just amazing stuff. Because, you know, in, in everything else, we see the Jedi Temple on Coruscant loads. We, we've seen Akto, where where Luke is in the sequels. But we haven't seen really many other Jedi temples. And there are temples all over the galaxy. They're everywhere, right? So to see one, the unique, the unique way to get inside, the challenges that, you know, you have to you know, that you are faced with, the, the mental fortitude you have to have to get into the temple, to understand it, understand the messages, all of that stuff. There's lots of good stuff with that in season one and then sort of sprinkled throughout, and it's awesome. Um, another thing are the animals, all the different animals. So Ezra um, has a unique connection with animals. Um, he is from the planet Lothal, and on that planet you have the Loth Wolves, which are talk about probably a few times in this episode but they are um that they are this they're difficult to describe the loath wolves they're just wolves they're very large wolves but they are sentient in a way they have they're very very connected to the force and the planet of lothal um that they, they become more important much later on in the show see them a little bit but then season four they become very, very important right at the very end. Um, and then you have like the, the animals like the Purgle, which are the hyperspace traveling space whales. I love that. There's there's really, really great stuff in this show with some of the some of the beasties. Um now just on the just on the Lothwolf. So in see at the end of season four, you know, we there's the temple on the Thol and and all of that, and we get into the world between worlds. Now, the world between worlds is 
was was extremely controversial when it was introduced back in 20 what 2018 I think was when that season aired not that long ago is it crikey but yeah the world between worlds is effectively it's a, it's a place in Star Wars that exists outside of space and time and it is a place that Ezra goes um the design of it is beautiful and he hears voices from the prequels, from the original trilogy, from Clone Wars, from the sequel trilogy. There's all, hearing all of that stuff is really cool. Getting a grasp of what this means for the, for the you know, Star Wars universe moving forward. I'm glad we haven't returned to the world between worlds in any way in the four years since we first saw it. Um, but I have no doubt that we will. Um, he uses it to save Ahsoka from a what would have certainly been a fatal duel with Vader. Um, but you know, people are like, oh, it's just time travel again. You put time travel in Star Wars. It can be, and it could be abused. Having it there is an option. As long as it is used responsibly by Filoni and Favreau and whoever else, you know, becomes key creators in, in the Star Wars universe, as long as they use it responsibly, it's fine. You know, same as in, you know, the Avengers, these pin particles, what they can do with them now, they will be there as an option, always. But as long as you are responsible with them as creators, as writers, it's totally fine, right? Um, another, he's not really a creature, but he's another force being, is the Bendu. Um, and he's even more difficult to describe, really. He's like a big, it's like a big tree goat man thing. He's, he's this enormous being. Um, I forget the name of the planet that they're on, but he's on a planet where they set up a rebel base. Yeah, I think season three, they bump into him and he is basically like, again, it's, it's so deep into force law. It's, it's quite hard to comprehend what he is, but you know, he, he is like the, the force embodied on this planet. He can see the future and the past and he can talk to Jedi and he can do all these things and he's extremely powerful and he's he talks in riddles, you know, and all, like he's just a super, super interesting character to, to include. And he very much remains a mystery. He's a very confusing at times and I just, I love his whole vibe. I, I really, really like, you know, his inclusion in the show and then you have holocrons as well obviously now we've seen some holocrons in clone wars but we see um more in this show and they take a bit more of it like they are pretty prevalent at some points in clone wars but um see them used a little bit more i think in rebels if i remember correctly but yeah god just all the force related stuff is just on another level and there is so much of it that like this because Kanan and Ezra are two of the chief characters there is so much stuff around them and because like Kanan had his training cut short obviously by order 66 so he still has a lot to learn and then there's a time he spends the last two seasons of the show blinded by an injury so he's got to learn how to see without using his eyes and all that stuff oh, there's just so much great stuff it's really, really great. All the Force lore in Rebels. Reason two is the villains 
great villains in this show. First up, season one, you got the Grand Inquisitor, right? Who we're going to see again in Obi Wan, which is really exciting. Um, but he's very menacing. He's yeah. The, the first time we see him, right? He is using Luminara Unduli's corpse to lure in Kanan and Ezra. How dark is that shit, right? Oh, he's he's awesome. Well, when you learn he used to be a temple guard and he was involved with the accusations against us, like, not involved, but he was one of the temple guards that arrested. Ahsoka, when she was accused of bombing the... T- oh, God, all this backstory and just oh, Jason Isaac's vocal performance. Oh, great, great baddie. I'm really excited to see him in Obi-Wan. You've obviously got Maul, the stint he spends in the show. The end of season two is just... Oh, oh, just perfection and all the stuff he's doing there, the way he's manipulating Ezra, trying to get his way... Still just trying to fucking find Obi-Wan. And then, of course, he eventually, eventually does find him on Tatooine. And there's the, oh, just the amazing, just narratively brilliant, so so brief fight between the two of them that just says so much with just no words at all. If you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, you really have to watch all of Clone Wars and all of Rebels. (laughs) Not so much all of Rebels, but you have to have watched all of Clone Wars and the parts of Rebels with Maul in it to understand the the many, many, many meanings in that brief interaction with the two of them when Maul is killed. It's perfect storytelling and is one of the best moments in Star Wars, the end of Maul's story there. Um, <clears throat> in the last couple of seasons, you have Thrawn, who, who our... Characters are having to deal with, obviously famous, you know, people who have known who he is for a long time. His books came out many, many years ago. Um, Brilliant Sherlock Holmes-esque tactician, um, as well as a very capable fighter on his own. We are going to see him pop up again at some point in the Ahsoka show, um, along with Ezra. So at the end of the series, they obviously zoop off off into space, off into the outer, outer, outer reaches of the galaxy we don't know where they are the unknown regions ahsoka's looking for him who knows where they are in space in time um but yeah he's awesome agent callus not really a villain definitely not by the end um but you know the way his character starts off and then the episode he has with um zeb and how he, how he becomes the spy and all that that was really really well done better than it was done in the sequel trilogy i have to say <laughs> it actually made sense in this Loved that. And then, of course, you have the few episodes where we get to see Vader, including um, the the Twilight of the Apprentice, um, the two episodes there at the end of... In fact, I think he's only in the one, but, you know, he pops up every now and then, especially in season two. He's in a few episodes and just his, his whole presence, his aura is prime Vader. He's, this is when he's at his most menacing, his most powerful, his most intimidating... It's it's a perfect representation of the character and where he's at at this point. It's awesome. And, God, I'm excited beyond words for what we're going to see of him in the Obi-Wan series. Oh, it is going to be emotional. It is going to be poignant. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be impactful. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. Reason three, and... This is where the two shows sort of play off each other. They're, they're both Dave Filoni's babies, right? 
And what Rebels does really well is connect itself to the Clone Wars. Yeah. So we have, you know, um, in season two, I believe, they meet up with a group of surviving clones, one of whom is Rex, um, and they sort of stay throughout the show. It's really great having them in. Um, we get to see Hondo Anaka a couple of times, which is fun. Everyone loves Jack Sparrow. I mean, Hondo Anaka. Um, there is obviously the connection to Ahsoka, and she's in the show <clears throat> in season two um, with a very, very important role. Um, and, and the things that happen season two of Rebels are going to be, I'm sure, followed up on and expanded on when we get the Ahsoka show. Um, and as I mentioned before, the Grand Inquisitor as well, finding out that he is from the Clone Wars era as a Jedi Temple Guard, just really, really nice to see that as well. And, and Dave Filoni, he's such a brilliant storyteller. He, he, you know, there's a lot of other little things woven throughout obviously Tarkin and Yolorin and these guys and you know Luminara you know that sort of thing and you know when Ahsoka's talking about Anakin and learning about Vader and all that stuff you know the mentions of Mortis when we start getting to the temple on Lothal and all of that it's it's really it's it's not rammed down your throat it's like oh here's a here's a Clone Wars character you know oh you're gonna like this uh, you know just take it, enjoy it, all that. Like, some of it is really, really, really beautifully done, especially now that I think of it, the, the seeing those Mortis characters on the on the wall of the temple on Lothal. So, yeah, the, the connection to the Clone Wars is another thing that is just done really, really well in the show. All right, number four is the world building. So the galaxy grows. We get to see more interesting and different and unique places in Rebels. Obviously, a planet where we spend a lot of our time is Lothal. So Lothal um, is the home of Ezra Bridger and it's where they sort of build their little rebel cell. And, you know, it, we, we learn as the show goes on that it's got a lot of importance. You know, there's Jedi temples there, the Loth Wolves and their ability to basically teleport across the planet has got a lot of significance. Um, you know, the, the doorway into the world between worlds, all of that, all of this stuff around this planet is very, very interesting. Um, we have the character of Zeb, who is a Lasot. If you don't know who they are, um, uh, who the, what the fuck's his name? The, the master, um, Yaro Tapal from Jedi Fallen Order. He's a Lasot as well. Um, so he's very, very tall creatures. Um, but Zeb believes he is the last one. He believes they're, they're not unlike the Wookiees. They're, you know, either used as slaves or they're killed or what, you know, there's, the Lasots have got a very tragic backstory. Um, but Zeb believes he's the last one. But then we get a couple of episodes where he learns that he's not. And he takes these few survivors he finds to their home planet in the, in, in episodes that have got some of the most beautiful cinematography, granted it's animated, it's still cinematography that I have seen in Star Wars. It's awesome stuff. And just learning about his history as like a, a, a an honor guard or whatever whatever it's called and the the rifle and what a what a historic weapon it is that he has. Like all that stuff is so interesting. And you get a lot of that with Hera and Ryloth as well. So her being a Twi'lek. Um, her father is Chamsundula, who we do see in Clone Wars. He's a freedom fighter. 
Saw Guerrera type character. Um, you know, seeing a bit of her family's backstory. There's the scene with that totem that she has and Thrawn analyzing it and all of that. I love like just taking one character or one species and just totally blowing up their older on no <laughs> expanding on is what i mean in on their culture and just learning a whole heap of shit about it I, I find that super super interesting um and then of course we have probably the most interesting race um that there is the mandalorians we get a lot of mandalore stuff which is great everyone likes mandalore um one of the chief characters sabine is a mandalorian we learn a lot about her her family's very important. We get Bo-Katan. We get more stuff with the Darksaber. Um, yeah, just lots of really, really good Mandalore stuff. And with the with the Mandalorian, obviously, we are going to return to Mandalore more and more. There will be connections from the Mandalorian to Rebels. Sabine will show up in one of these shows at some point. Bo-Katan's going to talk more about what happened. And it is just so interesting. I find... All these little things just completely and utterly fascinating when it comes to Star Wars. And then reason number five is our little group of characters, right? And this is where I think, without a doubt, Rebels is stronger than Clone Wars. And you can have problems with the aesthetic of Rebels. Like, oh, the lightsabers look weird. Why they all got skinny heads? You know, all that. Who fucking cares? Shut up. Shut up, right? Look at the story that you're being told, yeah? Because where this, where Rebels differs from Clone Wars, Clone Wars jumps all over the place. You'll have a few episodes with Obi-Wan and Anakin, then you might have an episode with Mace Windu, and then you'll have an episode with Kit Fisto, and then you'll have an episode with Justice Soka, and then you'll have a Jar Jar and Padme episode, and it just bounces all over the place. There is a good amount of continuity with our core characters, the 501st, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka. But Rebels, you are with that same group. Phoenix Squadron. You're with them every episode all the way through. And the connection you have with them is so much stronger because of that. So much stronger. Imagine if the Clone Wars, right? Every single episode, you were with... The 501st, every episode. And then, you know, you have you have what happens to Echo. Obviously, he survives afterwards. But, you know, you, what happens to him? It's so much more impactful when a key clone is killed if you're obviously much more invested in them as a character. And that's what you get with this group of rebels in the show. So... Ezra, he's a kid. He's a bit of a, you know, he's a bit of an, he's a bit of an Aladdin. You know, he's he's got no money. He's very poor, and he's just stealing stuff off the streets on Lothal, right? And he steals something and sort of gets involved with them while they're tr trying to steal something else or trying to fuck stuff up for the Empire or something. And then they sort of bring him into their family. Uh, you got Kanan, who I mentioned, a survivor of Order sixty six. I love his whole, like, he's trying so hard to be what he thinks a Jedi is. You know, the brief amount of teachings he got, he's, he's, he's trying to remember. It's been more than 10 years. He's just trying to think, oh, is this how I should be? I don't know if I know how to teach a Padawan. 
What did my master teach me? I'm trying to, is this right? I don't know. He questions himself and where, where he has any weaknesses, whether it's his confidence or whatever, he has Hera, right? And Hera is the mum of the group. She's the glue. She holds everyone together. She's the leader, right? Her and Kanan are in a relationship. Um, they're not very, there isn't a lot of PDA because um, they got a job to do, but they, they are in love. Um, and and she's, she's the rock, especially for him. She's his rock. And uh, with, with, uh, with a few episodes to go in the show, Kanan is killed um, in one of the best, God, in one of the best, most beautifully done deaths that there has been in Star Wars. Um, he does die. And because of how brilliantly that, that that family dynamic has been established and how much you love every single one of the characters, it hits so hard, not only to lose him yourself as an audience, but to watch all of their reactions as they lose their friend, their partner, their master, all of that. It's so much more impactful and there is a beautiful moment. So the na- they have a droid, they have an astromech named Chopper, who is he's a very, very, very funny character. Um, very, very cool. His kill count is ridiculous. He's fucking ruthless. Um, but he's he's got these arms that poke out of his head and his head can spin around. He's based off the original concept art for R2-D2, actually. Um, but he's, he's fucking awesome. I love him heaps. He's probably, he's probably my favorite droid in all of Star Wars, I think. I think I did a podcast on that, actually. Um, but there's a beautiful moment with Chopper. He's usually such a comedic character. But after Kanan has been killed, Hera is just sort of standing on this sort of ridge, just looking out at the sunset and just looking fucking sad as because she is, she's devastated. She's heartbroken. She's lost everything, right? Chopper just wheels himself over to her and the two of them have a history, right? She, she found him in a, sh- in a shipwreckage and saved him and all that. So they've been, they're, they're OGs. They've been together since day dot. He wheels himself over and with one of his little hands, he just, he just holds her hand and fuck me. If that wasn't just the perfect thing for Filoni to write in that moment. Oh, it's so good in so many ways. I love Chopper so much and I love Hera. I love everything about her. Um, We also have Sabine, as I mentioned, Mandalorian interesting sort of mysterious character she has imperial history she was with the empire for a little bit did some stuff for them her history on mandalore is very interesting her family's very interesting um and then you have garazeb or zeb um the lasat also has very interesting history that is revealed his relationship with callus is it like i love their dynamic as they become friends in that one episode and slowly Gain each other's trust really, really well done. His relationship with Ezra and Chopper is really nice, especially with Ezra, just that big brother vibe. Love that. Oh, he's, he's a great character. He's, he's the muscle in the group, but he's also the big softy. I like Zeb a lot. Um, and then I will include AP5. Um, he's another droid. Um, he's a, I forget what they're called. They're like a protocol droid. They, they, they're humanoid looking. Like, you know, they're bipedal i suppose um 
but he's not an astromech. There's another word for it. Um, but he is, if you've seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, he's Marvin. His personality is Marvin's personality, the droid. Alan Rickman's character. It's this dry, sarcastic, very depressed, very morbid. <laughs> Everything's like, oh, everything's a drag. He's very, very funny. There is one um, moment in an episode where I can't remember what, what this, the context is, but he's jettisoned out into space. Obviously, he's a droid, so he can survive in space. He's fine. But he's, he's floating out in the, in the void of space. And he thinks that's it. They're never going to find him. He thinks they're going to leave him behind. And he is like, finally, some peace and quiet. Oh, this is bliss. And he literally starts to sing to himself. He breaks into song. These weird, colorful space creatures come out of nowhere, like the little creatures in Cinderella or whatever it is, or Snow White, whoever it is that's in the cabin and there's the little bunnies and stuff. It's like that. There's these weird... It's like he's having an acid trip. It's the strangest thing, but God, it is so funny. It's so funny, and he's a really, really funny character. But yeah, look... Those are my five reasons why Rebels is solid as fuck. And if, if you don't like the look of it, and, and look, season one's the weakest season. They're, they're really establishing that family feel of the group. If you watched a bit of season one and you didn't love it, power through. Power through, you will be rewarded. Get to the end of season one. There is something that happens at the end of season one. You will not be able to not put on the first episode of season two. I promise you. Just trust me, if you're not about it, give it a go. If you're a Star Wars fan, give it a go. And it's going to give you a lot of context, very helpful information about the upcoming season of Obi-Wan, which is only 23 days away. Oh, that's crazy. 23 days away. Easter was only like a little bit less than 23 days ago. So that's wild. <laughs> that's wild. I'm so excited. I, I, I imagine that, I mean, I'm in Australia, obviously, so there's still, oh God, I don't know, like 20 hours of, of May the 4th left in America, I think, well, like 19 or 18 hours or something like that. I feel like we would get the second Obi-Wan trailer today. You would think. I don't know what other day they're going to release it on, but we're going to get another one because the first one was only a teaser. So... I think we can expect a full trailer, talking two, two and a half minutes. So hopefully it's there when I wake up in the morning. It's about 10.30 now, so we'll be going to bed soon. Hopefully it's there in the morning when I wake up. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening to that one, guys. Um, if you're also a big Rebels fan, talk to me about it. Let's talk about how amazing it is because it is fucking amazing and and get your other Star Wars friends onto it because it's just so underrated, so humongously underrated as a show. D Dave Filoni, he just, he nailed this. You know, I don't know how good The Mandalorian's going to be when it's finished or where Obi-Wan's going to sit or Ahsoka or if they do more Boba Fett or Bad Batch or any of that. But at the moment, I think Rebels is the best Star Wars 
TV that we have. It's hard to compare TV and film because of the amount of time that you have in TV to play with things. But in, in terms of TV, Rebels is just, it's it's S tier for me. I love it. I absolutely love it. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. Hope you're enjoying your Star Wars day, if you are so inclined as to celebrate it. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends, leave reviews, do all that stuff. And I will see you next time. Bye.